I said, hey, boss, can you stay a while? He turned his head from sea to sea Cause it's a pretty good place for me to be Report to Vancouver Fringe Festival returns with another year of theater for everyone. 30 Live celebrates a one year of Vancouver indie music with 30 Fest birthday celebration. A follow up with the producers of the highly popular UBC Lipped Up video and the return of the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival. Plus, I have free tickets to 30 Fest and much, much more. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to the Arts Report, your weekly arts and culture fix here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver and streaming live online at citr.ca. Uh, my name is Nick Sartori and I am filling in once again uh, this week for Adam Yanush, your regular host of the Arts Report. Uh, Adam is working uh, busily away this summer on what's going to be coming for you in the new season of the Arts Report um, because this uh, week is kind of special. It's the last uh, episode of the Arts Report in this season, which is incredibly exciting because it means that in September we are bringing you a fantastic year of uh, new arts reports, uh, which will include, uh, of course, all of the fantastic fantastic fall uh, theater, dance, music, film, uh, visual arts, and fantastic new work that's going to be coming in the fall. So it's very exciting. Uh, and, uh, of course, the Arts Report, you can also find us on YouTube uh, by searching for CITR Arts Report. And on Twitter, our Twitter uh, handle is CITR underscore Arts Report. So you can find us there. Uh, we have a really great show for you today, and it's very packed, so I'm going to cut to the chase pretty quickly here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Vancouver Fringe Festival with the executive director, David Jordan. Uh, we're also going to talk about the 30 Fest from the 30 Live Group, and uh, I want to warn you about this now because I've got some free tickets for you. Uh, so you're going to want to make sure that you've got your dialing fingers ready to go. Um, our number here, of course, is uh, 604-UBC-CITR, so that's 822-2487. Uh, put that number in your phone now because I'm going to be giving away later in the show uh, two tickets. Uh, so that's a pair of tickets to both both nights, uh, the back-to-back evenings of the 30 Fest, uh, which has an amazing lineup of local and touring uh, bands uh, that it's going to be at the Cobalt uh, in early September. So it's very exciting. Um, but I want to pause for a moment and talk to you briefly about um, something that's been sort of hitting the news. And uh, people who know me are going to say I'm such a uh, hypocrite when I start talking about this right now. But I want to talk to you about it anyway, because I'm curious to know what you think. The province ran an article uh, about an event that happened at Bard on the Beach. Uh, of course, Bard on the Beach is uh, Vancouver's largest Shakespeare festival that happens uh, every summer. Uh, and uh, this year, there was a bit of an issue. Um, and I think the headline was something like, Angry East Van Mom Upset Because She Was Denied Entry to Bard on the Beach. Now, this brought up a lot of interesting comments and uh, sort of sparked a bit of conversation in the arts community. Basically, what happened is uh, a couple showed up with their very, very, very newborn baby. Uh, and basically, they expected uh, to be able to get in with uh, their child, and um, the bar didn't let them in. Uh, so Bart on the Beach said, we make it very clear, and it's on our ticket policy, and it's on our website, and you know, because you bought tickets, uh, that 
you can't bring your baby in. Uh, and then the mom basically, uh, and now I'm editorializing and I should make that clear. She is, um, basically turned it into a, a breastfeeding issue that, well, you know, my son can't, uh, remain alive if I'm not with him. So how can I possibly go to the show without him? Anyway, it turned into this big backlash of stuff. I'm sure if, if you've seen the article, there's been a follow-up in the Georgia Strait uh, since that initial article in the province on Monday. And I'm curious to know what you think about it. So uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, go find us again at CITR underscore arts report. I'd love to hear and uh, we'll, we'll, if anybody tweets in the next little bit here, I'd love to share your feedback on the air and maybe get a little conversation going. Uh, you can also uh, find our Facebook page uh, by going to Facebook and just searching for the arts report CITR. And of course, you will find us uh, there as well. Uh, so it's a very interesting thing that's happening right now, and uh, Bard never made a comment, though Christopher Gaze, the artistic director, has offered the couple uh, a couple of tickets to come back, of course, minus baby. So we'll see what happens. Uh, in any case, let's move right along, uh, because as I said, we've got a very packed show for you. And uh, we're going to start off the show uh, with telling you a little bit more about the Vancouver International Fringe Festival. Uh, the Vancouver Fringe is BC's largest theatre festival and North America's most international fringe. This year's festival will feature over 600 performances by more than 80 groups over 11 days, and it's expected to attract over 30,000 theatre-goers. That's a lot of people going to see theatre in Vancouver. And actually, as an aside, the Edmonton Fringe just happened uh, a little bit ago, and they broke 100,000 people at the Fringe, so it's going to be really fantastic. Uh, this year at the Vancouver Fringe, the festival includes fringers, uh, or sorry, invites fringers rather to experience new things and take risks with a new exciting theme. Surrender yourself to the fringe. Pick up a fringe guide, and you can see this clever little image that goes along with it. Uh, I caught up with Fringe Executive Director David Jordan, and I asked him how it felt to be celebrating 27 years in the Fringe's mandate, which is theater for everyone. Uh, that was a little bit early in the morning. We were a little groggy. Uh, in any case. Here's David. Well, um, I haven't had coffee yet, so <laughs> it, it feels a little blurry. Um, but well, and the festival's in like a week from now. No, uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Give me an extra week. Um, so it feels great. You know, it really, it, it's really solid, and we have so many people that come together to, uh, you know, pull this thing off. And I love seeing this time of year because they're all up to speed, and it's pretty exciting to see the the team that comes together to pull this thing off. And then we get to see. We still haven't even had the surprise of all of the wonderful shows. Um, I remember when we interviewed last year, um, we, I talked a little bit about Fringe Miss Day. Yep. Um, we have, so Fringe Miss Day is coming when we get to unwrap all the presents and see <laughs> what all those theatrical surprises are. So that's yeah. exciting. Fringe Miss Day is almost upon us. It's very exciting. Um, tell us about some of the exciting new things that are coming this year to the fringe um well we've had we had this um crazy amount of shows drop out for whatever reason oh. which which happens sometimes sometimes does and sometimes doesn't and um so this year we've had like eight or nine shows drop out you know somebody's got a back problem etc cetera, etc cetera. um but we just so we added a bunch of shows late which we usually don't do so there are some shows that aren't even in the program guide they're like Surprise. they're like secret surprises so one of those shows i'm really excited about it's called grim and fisher mm. and it's a full face mask show and there's a duel with death cool <laughs> awesome yeah. um tell us more about the fringe on site program because this has expanded the sort of site-specific aspect of the fringe from past years yeah so um we have we took uh 12 shows 
into the festival um, that actually we helped develop, which we never do. We usually just give people a platform to do their shows and we find out at the festival what it's going to be like. But these shows, we brought them in um, on a first-come, first-served basis um, and then we gave them a mentor, um, the best we could find, um, Kendra Fanconi, who's uh, uh, one of the artistic directors of The Only Animal, um, very renowned the, uh, site-specific theater troupe. Um, so, and she taught them uh, the ropes of site-specific theater. So, like, you know, right from the ground up, like, um, you know, how to respond to the things that just happen in your site. So, what are you going to do when... Um, when the geese land on the duck pond during your show, how are you going to make that part of your show? Because it's going to happen. Um, how to plan what time your show should start based on the tide if you're doing your show under the dock. Um, you know, that type of thing. And so, so they did, they did um, workshops every Saturday for like four months. Um, so that's new for us. And it, also, it, it means that there's all these little shows in nooks and crannies on Granville Island. How, for you, how does that fit into the fringe overall mandate like what what does that do to meet part of what the fringe is about well part of what we're about is like just this explosion of theater you know like that that it's not you know theater is it can just be really everywhere um and so we we really think that it's our job to kind of take over granville island um so it helps us uh, it helps us on that front. Um, and also a huge part of what we do is we give artists a space to develop their work. So for us, it was a whole new dimension to um, developing artists' work mm-hmm. because we were actually offering them a mentor, which we hadn't, we've never done before. And how about BYOVs this year? Because I remember last year there was some record-splitting number of BYOVs. How about uh, this year? Well, we've 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 pulled them back a little mm-hmm. bit to accommodate for those because those shows are very labor-intensive on our part because it means that we have to set up all these little ticket booths all around the island. And so, actually, I'm expecting attendance will be a little lower than last year, mm-hmm. which uh, is intentional. I, I we're just we're focusing um, not on being um, bigger and better, but um, being more interesting and um, you know and doing doing our mandate cool so this year the theme is surrender surrender to the fringe tell us more about that um, surrender um, well I think it's a fun idea because we thought we thought it was a fun idea because it really um, we do have that we do kind of take over and so we thought we'd just embrace that and um, go. the fringe I think is often about being you know often people come to the fringe because they're being dragged along by somebody else you know come to the fridge you know um, and you don't know what you're going to see um, so I think in uh, in some ways you do have to surrender you have to surrender to the idea that who knows what will happen there it might be good it might not be but you should you should really just give it a try and that's something that you wrote about in your little introductory spiel in the fringe program guide was about people coming to the fringe and taking a risk on something can you tell us about a time when you took a risk a particularly memorable moment when you took a risk on a piece of theater oh sure yeah um well, um, one was uh, what was one of the best experiences of my life. I, I did I had no idea, um, and I took a risk on this show. I can't even remember what it was called or who did it. They were from Ontario. Um, was it here, the Vancouver Fringe? No, it wasn't. It was actually at the Montreal Fringe, oh. which is where I started my Fringe life. Uh, and we were so there were. It was like noon or something on a Tuesday, and 
and I was half of the audience. There were two of us. <laughs> and so uh, these women did this amazing show that was kind of like a Lord of the Flies type of thing. It had no text, and uh, it was really cool um, and very physical. Um, and I just thought it was fantastic. And I was afterwards i was you know i give them a standing ovation i'm like clapping my heart out and tears in my eyes and i look over to the guy next to me and he's like meh <laughs> you know <laughs> so i think you know everyone sees something different and mm-hmm. yeah cool um one last question and that's about uh fringe for all tell us about because you've got the opening night gala, which will be a great chance to fundraise for the festival and show everyone a little preview. But then you also have this new thing called Fringe for All. Tell us more about that. Um, so that's something we've wanted to do for a while. Um, and um, we did make a stab at it like five years ago. Um, and really the idea is um, that anybody who's got a show in the festival can take the stage for a couple of minutes and, um, you know, sell their wares, um, if you will. Um, and the idea is that it's really fast and furious. So you get, you get a really quick look at everybody. Um, not everybody, but as many people as possible. So, um, we, uh, we're doing that this year. So I'm, I'm expecting we'll have at least 30 people up on, uh, you know, 30 different shows, take the stage. And, um, Toby Burner is gonna, um, going to MC and keep it. He's a great, um, he's a great comedian, um, and, uh, improv guy. And so he'll keep it moving along. And, uh, so there'll be highs and lows and, uh, it starts at 10 too. So I think it's got, you know, I'll have that kind of late night, um, on a Thursday. So you have like a, a little bit of a late night, uh, atmosphere and, uh, yeah, cool. be fun. Awesome. Thanks David. Yeah. You're welcome. And that was David Jordan, executive director of the Vancouver International Fringe Festival, chatting about all of the exciting things that are going to be hitting Vancouver uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, the Fringe starts uh, on September 8th and runs through September 18th, uh, and it's going to be very exciting. Obviously, like I said before, over 600 performances, 80 different artist groups from all around uh, the world, and of course, a lot of people from Vancouver with things like the Fringe on-site program. Uh, and of course, uh, Fringe for All, we've talked about it a little bit in the interview. Um, I actually talked to David again today, and uh, we chatted a little bit more about uh, how exciting that was going to be, and um, it's going to be really fun. So really go out there and uh, make sure you take uh, a program and just start circling and uh, you know, go out and watch some great theater at The Fringe. So for more information and to book tickets for The Fringe, you can visit their website, which is www.vancouverfringe.com. Com. Uh, for uh, Fringe, they also have a really fantastic app if you have an iPhone. So you can go to the iTunes App Store and you can search for Vancouver Fringe. And uh, it'll actually, uh, on GPS, it'll show you uh, what the you know next show is that's closest to you. So really good things like that. Uh, okay, so we're going to take a very short break here on uh, the Arts Report. And uh, we will come back and tell you more about uh, 30Fest. Uh, so stay uh, with us. Become a friend of CITR and receive great discounts at businesses around Vancouver. Your Friends of CITR card will get you discounts on Main Street at Anti-Social Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Woo Vintage, The Kiss Store, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, Red Cat Records, The Regional Assembly of Text, RX Comics, Temple of the Modern Girl, Flaming Angels Boutique, and The Wallflower Modern Diner. 
pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or visit us online at citr.ca.
And that was the British Columbians with a track called A Fine Mess here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver and streaming live online at citr.ca. This is, of course, the Arts Report. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, the reason we just played that song uh, is because the British Columbians are going to be part of 30 Fest, which is a 30 Live birthday celebration presented by the 30 Live group. So 30 Live began as a small independent music series in September 2010 and featured weekly concerts at the Forum on Granville Street. During that time, the 30 Live group have taken over the indie music scene in Vancouver and now promote regular shows at popular music spots including at the Media Club and the newly revamped Cobalt on Main Street. To celebrate their first birthday, they're presenting an incredible two-day lineup of shows, of course called 30 Fest at the Cobalt. I chatted earlier with Dan Tanner, who founded and runs the 30 Live Group, and I began by asking him how he feels a year into his company. And sorry, bear with us for one second, and of course, my technology is not wanting to cooperate. Let's give this another shot. Well, initially, we just uh, started 30 Live as, uh, as you know, as a, as a weekly independent music series, uh, um, on Granville Street and uh, we hadn't really thought of it as a company or thought of it as going any further than, than those sort of set, unique set of shows mm-hmm. um, but the, the more bands we worked with the, the more friends we made and the, the, the connections that we made and so we just uh, we decided to make something more out of it and we started doing some shows at the media club and I became the booking agent at the, the newly managed Cobalt on Main Street mm-hmm. and uh, before we knew it, we had sort of four or five rooms that we were operating out of, as, as well as doing other things. Um, I became a manager of a couple of bands, Free City Collective and Ivar Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was booking their shows. Then we got involved in Panda. Before we knew it, we had about ten bands that we were actually looking after. So we thought, well, we've, we've got to appear professional with this and get our house in order. So we just uh, we took the 30 Live name and called it the 30 Live Group, kept our shows going got a load of bands on to uh, some festivals this summer and stuff and mm-hmm. uh, oh, to be honest with you we, I've, I've blinked since last September <laughs> you know and it's, it's, the, the year's gone so quickly I just uh, most of the sort of young young promotion companies and people that put on shows in, in Vancouver they're either you know they don't really they don't usually last a, a whole lot of time or they're fairly sporadic with their shows but mm-hmm. we've done quite a lot in a short space of time and people seem to be really digging what we're doing so uh yeah, I thank, I thank Vancouver for that and the music community for that, and uh, I'm looking forward to year two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, refresh all of our memories. Where did the Thirty Live name come from? We, we were sat around the table uh, about a week before our first show, and although we had all the band names and everything, and it was Free City Collective CD release, mm-hmm. we, di- we didn't have a brand for for the shows, and we didn't know what to call it. We came up with a lot of crazy ideas and. A lot of things that yeah we thought would sound cool and things like that, but we didn't really just want to sound sort of like uh, cool and and just uh, and and just sort of like we didn't want to throw away you know we wanted to have a bit of sort of professionalism and we wanted to appeal to sort of like the sort of the business side of it you know the serious the, the gramble side of it as well as sort of like the main street side of it so we wanted somewhere mm-hmm. in between uh, and to be honest with you, we, we couldn't think of a name. So uh, the, the, sh- the first show we did was the night before. Uh, sorry, the night after my 30th birthday. So uh, we called the show, we called the series 30 Live. Mm-hmm. 
It was uh, it was the, the, a time when I was starting something, you know, a, a new profession and a, a new direction for me as well. So it seemed quite poignant, and uh, mm. and the logo the logo looked pretty good as well. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems very, to very recognisable, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to have definitely stuck with people over the past year, that's for sure. Though I wonder now, do you have to, now, because it's going to be your 31st birthday this year, does that mean you have to change it now to 31 Live? <laughs> no, I don't think, think we'll be changing it to 31 Live. I actually, actually did a, a, Facebook, yeah. a Facebook status joking about that. Oh, really? Said, no, don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was only actually joking. So. Yeah, no, it doesn't have quite the same ring. No, so 30, 31 Live does not have the same ring, no. I'm, I'm not, not, not willing to do another... 31 30 in a row. <laughs> yeah, there you go, hey. <laughs> do, do a second music series like that. Yeah. Never, never say never, you yeah? know? Yeah, exactly, hey. So, the, the 30 Fest is going to be the 30 Live Birthday Festival. Now, it's a festival because you've got um, two different venues, and it's um, across what, three different days, one weekend, and then you're also doing a week later um, an Art Vark Robinson event at the Media Club. So, it starts on Friday, September 9th. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the, the first uh, two shows, which are at the Cobalt and the Media Club. Well, we actually have four shows altogether. Mm. Uh, there's, there's four shows altogether incorporated in the family of events. The 30 Fest itself at the Cobalt is over two nights, and it only sort of... Uh, it came about like that because we were, we were just doing it on September 10th mm-hmm. um, but there were so many bands who wanted to get involved in, in the end I had about 13 bands planned on the Saturday night and it was getting crazy <laughs> so in order to have all of our uh, all of the bands that we wanted to play we had to take a second night so the Cobalt kindly gave us Friday September the 9th as well and we called it a festival but also on September the 9th we're doing the British Columbian CD release at the Media Club mm-hmm. uh, with Prairie Dance Club um, Sumner Brothers and Kieran Fearing. Um and then as you know a week later on actually we actually moved the show to the Cobalt uh, on Friday uh, September 16th because we, we thought mm-hmm. we you know because of the bigger capacity um, it's Arvart Robinson uh, it's Arvart Robinson it's Arvart Robinson's Get Legal show because uh, their, their lead singer is just uh, is just becoming 19 oh that's funny and it's kind of like his birthday show and we've got Ono Yoko playing Awesome. Uh, the, the gay 90s and uh, inventing the dinosaur, um, which should be a good one. But 30, 30 Fest itself, which is the, the Friday Saturday doubleheader at the Cobalt, there's, uh, there's a ridiculous amount of bands playing. We've got um, Christian Hansen and the Autistics coming in from Calgary. Um, we've got a dance band called Sports coming in from Seattle. Uh, Wizards are headlining. We've got Bear Mountain playing, who are doing great right now. Ian Bevis. Uh, to be honest, he's a, he's a genius. If you listen to some of his stuff on his band camp, it's, just, uh, it's, it's next, next level, next level music, you know. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing, seeing him play again. Um, and then on the Saturday, we've got the Funk Hunters uh, headlining as a DJ duo that's going to be playing till uh, around 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And before that, we've got Run with the Herd hosting a, a school disco with uh, with Jackie Treehorn and Art in Air, who uh, who I become a huge fan of this year mm-hmm. uh, a consistent friendly friendly bunch of musicians and uh, we've also got Free City Collective and Chimpanzebras Eloquent Folk playing on the Saturday so uh, it's, it's going to be a crazy it's going to be a crazy weekend so. and are there still tickets left for the uh, advanced sales or are they all sold out because I know they were for sale at Zulu and uh, Red Cat right Friday's Friday's nearly actually sold out of our wow. advanced tickets but uh, but we're looking uh, we, we still have we still have uh, quite a few tickets left on the Awesome. So, Dan, are there any bands particularly that you've worked with over the past year um, that uh, y- you enjoyed working with most, or maybe highlight a few of the groups that you're, you know, you're personally a fan of? Um, 
Well, Familiar. Familiar have been a band that stood out for me. They've, uh, I've seen them across the country, you know, across Canada on tour. I've seen them at Canadian Music Week. Um, Free City Collective uh, and Panther and the Superfly are two two huge bands for the future. Um, I really think that you know those guys have, have got a chance of uh, to certainly get a record deal sometime in the next eighteen months. Um, there are so many. The Boom Booms are, and Sex with Strangers are currently both in the uh, in the peak, peak performance, performance project. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a real problem with the Peak Performance Project this year because I'm very good friends with uh, the Matinee, the Boom Booms, and Sex with Strangers. So, uh, you know, I, <laughs> if all three of them get in the final, I won't. I'll, you know, I'll <laughs> you won't know what leave, to do with yourself. Town, leave town for the night or something. I think <laughs> so. Uh, I'm guaranteed guarantee a winner though. So that'd be good. No kidding. Um, but yeah, so CITR has been amazing. Beatroot Magazine, um, Patrick and Ezra at the Cobalt, who really, basically, with, without them giving me an opportunity at the Cobalt. Um, and uh, I don't, I wouldn't have touched base with as many bands as I have, and uh, they've been they've been amazing. And the Cobalt's looking great these days. Just had a, a, a refit as well, so uh, it's looking good, and we're we're ready to compete in the market. And uh, yeah, just, it's just been a great first year. So, so many bands. I love, I'm loving the sound of Prairie Dance Club, uh, and Dave Moran with the British Columbians are uh, another force to reckon with. They've just uh, just released their second album, which I'm I'm immensely proud of for them. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. it's been amazing, as, and as well as as well as the the crazy guys from Run with the Herd. Run with the Herd are technically, I think, one of the one of the best bands I think I've ever worked with. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome, that's brilliant. Thanks so much, Dan. No worries, I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Nick. And that was Dan Tanner from the 30 Live group talking about 30 Fest, a 30 Live birthday celebration, which starts on Friday, September 9th at 4 o'clock to our doors. Um, and it's really an amazing lineup. Um, on uh, Friday, September 9th at the Cobalt, um, it's the Owells Sports, uh, which is a great band from Seattle that I checked out earlier ago. Uh, find them on uh, the SoundCloud page. Uh, Bear Mountain, uh, Christian Hansen and the Autistics, and of course the Wizards headlining. And then the following night, we've got Run With The Herd that Dan was just speaking about. Uh, the Funk Hunters, the two of them headlining uh, and starting off the night with uh, Free City Collective, Chimpanzee Bras, uh, uh, Jackie Treehorn, Facts, and Artenaire, and uh, a really great lineup of shows. Uh, and of course, we want you to go. So I've got a pair of tickets for both Friday and Saturday night. So it's a pair of tickets for both nights so you can take in all of that fantastic music. Call me right now. 604 8222487 if you would like to go to the Cobalt. Uh, and in the meantime, while we do that, I want to play you a song from uh, Aardvark Robinson. They have their legal show uh, Friday, September 16th at the Cobalt uh, that Dan was mentioning. And uh, this is a song they have uh, from their uh, latest demo, uh, which is called Mouth Pleasures, uh, and it's called The Battle of Kruger. And it's here on the Arts Report on uh, CITR 101.9 FM.
is Aardvark Robinson with a track called The Battle of Kruger from their EP Mouth Pleasures here on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Nick Saratori. Thank you for being with us this fine Wednesday. Uh, I'd like to send uh, congratulations out to Dale Sawyer who picked up a a pair of tickets for both shows for the 30 Fest. So congratulations, Dale, for uh, being speedy there on the phones. And uh, if you don't have tickets, go pick them up at Zulu Records on 4th and Kits or Red Cat on Main Street. Uh, They both have limited tickets left for Friday night and uh, still a few tickets as well for Saturday, but they are going really fast. So you want to make sure you get in. So go there and get tickets. All right. Uh, We've only got about 20 minutes left in the Arts Report, but we've got so much stuff still to talk about. So I want to move right along. Uh, The next thing we're talking about is Andrew Cohen Productions. Six months of planning, almost 1,000 volunteers and four takes amounted to one viral video that attracted more than 400,000 views on YouTube in less than three days. The hugely popular UBC LipDub video is regarded in the LipDub community as one of the best. And the team behind this massive marketing effort is Andrew Cohen Productions, or ACP. Uh, Made up of UBC alumni, Andrew Cohen and his team have now formed ACP to offer their unique video production and viral marketing services to businesses so that they have the opportunity to reach out and market directly to students. I recently had the opportunity to chat with ACP's Director of Marketing and Communications, Michael Gunyan. If you haven't seen the lip dub or you're wondering how it was done, don't fret, uh, because I began by asking Michael to explain a little bit more about what happens uh, in the video. Okay, so we were fortunate enough to phone up uh, Pink and Mariana's Trench, and we were able to obtain the rights for Pink's song, Raise Your Glass. And for Mariana's Trench, we were able to attain the rights for their song, Celebrity Status. The video starts off with a parody of the Old Spice commercial. It then goes in and takes you on a tour of the campus of the University of British Columbia. And we are fortunate to find a sunny day during the springtime of Vancouver. And if you're not from Vancouver, that's, well, it's a rarity. And the video then 
takes us into the library, and throughout it, we have surprises and little what we call all of a sudden's. And throughout it, it's fun, lip-syncing people, singing the words to the song, dropping balloons, parachuters. Um, they go outside, and you see horses, and you see cars parked in areas where there would normally never be cars. And the next thing you see is a city bus parked in the middle of the university. And who else is there but Mariana's Trench, the actual band where we're using their song. And the lead singer, Josh Ramsey, takes us into his song and we enter the bus at the back of the bus there is his band with drum set and all and there they are rocking out and on the bus the bus actually begins to move and then we have dancers and from there it takes us into storm the wall and then we go into a nightclub scene and we have uh, Daniel Magner who is better known as Edwin from Life with Derek and we have an underwater shot and the underwater shot for everyone keeps trying to think if we cut or we nope. What happened was is we actually had a waterproof camera and the camera went underwater and all of our team was actually trained by the UBC dive uh, shop and so we were actually on scuba gear and the camera was taken underwater. It goes into the back of a, a U-Haul van where we turned into a movie theater and then the final finale is when the doors of the U-Haul come up. We are actually uh, now across campus and we're actually at MOA. And on the field is over a thousand community members, students, Vancouverites, all wearing blue ponchos, storming the field. And this is for what we called a flash mob, which is basically a giant dance that just happens. And everyone already knew the choreography for it, um, and which was done actually by Andrew Cohen himself. And it was all filmed from different angles. We had a helicopter. We had uh, on the ground through a steady cam, And then we also had another person on a cherry picker. Awesome. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff going on in this video, and a lot of people engaged in this video. How was it as an experience for you as a group of people, Andrew Cohen, uh, who was the director and executive producer, and yourself and the rest of your team, how was it working with students, with university staff, with lo like logistically working on UBC campus? We all know it sort of operates like a little city, and so to navigate around logistically must have been kind of tricky. It, it was tricky. Actually, we, uh, we were fortunate enough to team up with the current, uh, at the time, was the current AMS president. And Bijan joined our team and was so enthusiastic about this process that he went to the university and worked with us to fight through that red tape. Um, originally, people were saying, oh, you know, maybe you'll get 500 people out. We'll keep it small. And then all of a sudden, overnight, it grew. And through the support of the community, right away, we had the RCMP as a huge sponsor giving us resources. We had uh, BC Transit giving us anything, you know, from buses to staff. And from there, it just picked up to getting a sponsorship for a helicopter to WestJet to um, then teaming up with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So going through the red tape, it got easier as we went along when more and more people started to join that bandwagon. So now, obviously the lip-dubs happened. I'm sure a lot of, you know, at least a good portion of people who are hearing this interview now have seen the lip-dub video um, because it was released, you know, a few months ago. So now... Many of you are not students, so you've, you've created Andrew Cohen Productions Limited, uh, which is the name you're operating under now to do provide, you know, providing marketing services and event planning and video production primarily. What, um, what, I guess what was the motivation to start the company after finishing LipDub? Well, the way it came about is uh, Andrew himself uh, and myself included and a few others on our production team were or are, I should say, local actors. And from there, we also found the joy of creating our own work. 
And from that was UBC looked up. And that's how we were able to keep it grassroots. From the success of the video, we had other people coming to us and saying, hey, this video was great for students. I have a product that I want to sell to students. But I don't know how because it's not going over well. You know, it's not going really well. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you guys could give us some pointers. And so we thought about it and we went away and we decided that um, we just we wanted to form a company. And so ACP or Andrew Cohen Productions Limited is a registered company. We went through lawyers and we went through all the paperwork and even so far as getting uh, an HST number. And now what's happening with the company is we were a group of students who were able to produce this work of art. And now we're out in the real world and companies are, we're going actually two companies and companies are coming to us and we're going over contracts and we're saying, you want this item to be used or witnessed or something to do in that student community. We're the ones that can film something. We're the ones that can take it to that community and basically market your product for you. And so I don't know if this is a super secret question that you can't answer, but what are some of the projects that you guys have on the go? <laughs> um, I, I would tell you, but then it's super secret. No, well, no, it, it's not. Um, for I guess there is some things I will be vague, but you can allude to. Um, right now, we are in the contract phase with a few projects. Uh, right now, one of them is uh, Note Wagon. They're a company out in Eastern Canada looking to expand into Western Canada, and it's actually a service for students. And so, with them, we're looking at filming a few web series for them and that way it'll you know show their product to students the the big the big one right now that's taking up uh i wouldn't say most of our time but where we're we're really excited for is come the following spring actually vancouver just won the bid for the model um and so the model um is basically where all the un clubs from all the campuses around north america around the world meet and they're all coming to vancouver and we were actually presented with a contract to plan the opening and closing ceremonies for them. So we're working with Harvard, with UBC, with the city of Vancouver on planning um, an opening ceremonies that does, it will involve speeches, but it's going to be so much more. We're going to actually, for the first time in their ceremonies, instead of so-and-so speaks, thank you, clap, 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 sit down, we're going to show them what Vancouver can do. Awesome. So I want to jump back to LipDub last again because, you know, we started with LipDub, so we might as well end with LipDub. Now, you guys weren't the first LipDub, although in many, you know, many cases, some people may regard your LipDub as being one that's now become one of the more recognized LipDubs. Um, I know that you, Vic, for example, had another LipDub, and um, I've got an article here from 24 Hours Magazine uh, where Andrew Cohen um, said, quote, just saying you, Vic, had 900 people uh, come out definitely helped us with our numbers. It's definitely a friendly rivalry. Well, not a rivalry necessarily, but definitely a little brotherly competition never hurt anybody. So I guess to put this into context, SFU is now producing a LipDub video. um, And perhaps, uh, as this article suggests, and as many others have suggested, comes after the phenomenal success of the UBC LipDub. What do you think about that? Like, as the producer of the UBC LipDub, what do you think about that, just generally speaking? I'm going to take the professional high road, obviously, and say when we did start out, we do have to give huge credit to UVic because when we had questions or concerns, we actually were able to talk to the guys who did U, uh, the UVic lift up. And when we were talking to them, it was never 
we never really saw it as a competition. What it was is LipDub is fun. It's promoting fun and people coming together to enjoy the city, to enjoy the school. That's what made LipDub so successful, is not having all these fantastic scenes or props and stuff. It's sticking to the true basics of, wow, they're having so much fun, I want to be a part of it. And when we saw that in UVix, it inspired us to make UBC LipDubs. Now, yes, after our LipDub, uh, UBC Okanagan did a LipDub as well, and you know, obviously I'm going to be biased and say ours is better, but we do congratulate them, we do support them, and we think it's fantastic. Yes, uh, now SFU is coming out to do a lip dub, claiming that it will rival ours, and we wish them the best of luck, and we think it's going to be fantastic. All we ask is, uh, you know, they have released a few videos, and we just ask that they don't destroy our artistry or try and poke you know, fun at it or jabs at it when we worked really hard on their production and we wish them the best of luck. But if you are a UBC student or a fan of UBC LipDub and you are listening to this, <laughs> go out and rewatch that video um, so we can prove to SFU why UBC is better. <laughs> but I didn't say that. Yeah there, yeah, there you go. And, you know, it's I, it's all in the good fun and rivalry because, of course, after Andrew Cohen said that, this is now uh, Alfonso Chin, who was one of SFU's LipDub producers, who said, uh, quote, I thought... Um, I thought UBC really raised the bar, but then uh, there's a lot of room for improvement. You know, that rivalry has always been there. So I guess that's a bit exciting, you know, to have a little bit of rivalry between the two. You know, honestly, all rivalries aside, we wish them the best. And we hope that, uh, you know, who knows that maybe in the LipDub community in the world, they'll say, wow, look at UBC. Look at what these schools in this province were able to accomplish. I want to, you know, I want to go to this province. I want to experience that, and especially current, you know, with the arts cuts that happen and that do affect every theater organization. For an international community to draw now attention to our province, hopefully, what we're hoping is is that it'll say, "Hey guys, how about we have our funding back? Look what what our students can do." And now with our company, we've moved on into that professional world, and we are working with companies. We are out there, and we are still, while we're in that business realm, we still stick true to our artist roots and that's what's something that makes our creations so memorable is that we are artists first and it is a production value that's why we are a production company not a marketing company because you are getting a production um we are still taking on contracts and we are there is some stuff that obviously can't fully say there's some uh we're working to possibly market you know uh, a new app that's coming out but um all that is under wraps but we are working also with a few uh, bands that want uh, to do a music video and for us even to work with these uh, people that we idolize to we look up to in the community is something that is fantastic and that we just want to say thank you so much to everyone who was a part of the UBC LipDub for making this possible and if you liked UBC LipDub please go onto Twitter follow uh, ACP on Twitter follow us on our new Facebook page uh, and join us because we're going to have many more events and uh, you know what if SFU does do a, uh, a lift up and is successful, then it looks like UBC is going to do the next big thing after a lift up. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Thanks so much, Michael. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So that was Michael Gunyan from Andrew Cohen Productions, the people behind uh, the UBC LipDub video. Uh, for more information about what they're up to, you can visit their website, which is www.acpedge.com, or find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash acpedge. Uh, and of course, if you haven't seen UBC LipDub, or you feel like watching it again, you can find it on YouTube.
Alright, we've got to move right along because we only got a few minutes left, but we got so much more to cover still in the Arts Report, so we're going to take a short break and we will be right back. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. And welcome back to the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver and streaming live online at citr.ca. I want to talk to you about the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival. Uh, The Vancouver, uh, excuse me, Vancouver Latin American Film Festival. It's a mouthful, uh, is back from September 1st to 11th and features films uh, from Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, and all over Central and South America. Uh, New this year is an award competition, including one for Best Documentary, as well as a Youth Choice Award. Christian Sita is the festival director, and Adam Janusz, your regular Arts Report host, talked to him about why they chose to present awards this year. Uh, but first, he asked about how the programmers uh, ch- or how the programs choose rather which films get into the festival. Well, we look for the first of all, we look for the quality in the production of the film. That's the most important part, which means everything, right? Uh, the script, the acting, the music, the sound, the camera work, etc. Uh, second of all, I would look for uh, diversity in the in the themes that the director sh- uh, showcase. Mm-hmm. We don't want to repeat ourselves, and sometimes if a country is going through a historical moment or or, or something spe- specifically is going on in different communities or, or parts of the country, probably a few directors will focus on that. So we'll try to not repeat ourselves presenting the same films. Mm-hmm. So the production of film, the diversity. And then just looking in, in things from different countries, we like to have as much variety, variety as we can. We know the three biggest uh, countries in terms of, of, of film production are Mexico, Argentina, and Brazil. Right. So after that, there are smaller countries, but we try to, to also have films from smaller countries as well. Right, because Latin America is obviously enormous and uh, has such a huge variety of, um, you know, geographies, accents, um, cuisines, and everything like that. So um, that must be that must be tricky, is it, to to try to incorporate um, so much diversity? Yeah, we I, we try. I mean, we try, but we know we want, so we don't stress out in having all of them. <laughs> right. However, we do have many. Many films uh, uh, from from different countries, from small countries such as uh, uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, or Bolivia. We had a film from Bolivia last year. There are very very small countries, and they only produce one or two films per year, if if so. And so we we managed to to have those kind of films from those countries. But uh, yeah, but we don't focus on have them all because well, we could, but then the quality would be low of right. the festival, the films that we produce. If right. you if you attend the festival or if you will attend, you'll see the quality of the films we present. Our films have been screened in the most prestigious festivals in the world, like Cannes, Toronto, Sundance, Berlin, etc. So, right. but there are some hidden jewels in the film industry in Latin America. So, we try to, yeah. Hmm. Can you give us an example of a of a hidden a hidden gem? Well, there is a film from um, Guatemala called Marimbas from Hell, and that was the first film 
in uh, from Guatemala selected in uh, at the Toronto Film Festival last year. Okay. So ever in history. So we are screening the film Marimas from Hell. So that's one of those uh, films that uh, you know it, it was a hidden jewel that we're showing in the festival, and um, uh, that's one. And we also have a series of. Uh, in f- f- films, short films made by indigenous directors from Guatemala in Mexico mm-hmm. that will be shown in a, in a series of films where we also program indigenous films from British Colombian filmmakers. So okay. we're going to make a parallelism in that in that regard. But those are some of the films that that not normally will they are very hard to include in a festival. Great, and and tell me about some of the. Um, you know, outside of just the the actual films, there's there's a lot going on. For example, there there will be awards given out for things like best documentary, best short, and also youth choice. Tell us about these different things. Uh, okay, uh, the, the we have yeah the festival. This is the ninth year of the festival, and this is the first time we have uh, competitions. The festival has always worked as a showcase of the best of the Latin film. But with this time for the for the first year, we have uh, uh, three competitions. One is a competition. With short films, it's an award of $500. We have an award uh, of for the best documentary film, best feature documentary film. That's a very important uh, cash prize of $3,500 to the best director. Mm-hmm. And we created on a, a few months ago, we created a contest with the students from different uh, media and communications in the Vancouver region, and they and they um, they they submitted an essay about a film. And we selected seven students, and they will give an award to the best young director in the festival. Okay. And why did you decide to, to do the competition for the first time? Is it just to add a little bit of uh, competitive spirit, just, just to make it a little more interesting? And, uh, not really. The circumstances came. We got a response saying people that were interested, and we thought it was a good opportunity. Nothing really. Uh, uh, mostly the opportunity that it was presented. We, because we always want to show the best films. It doesn't matter if it's a competition or not. But yeah. we got the opportunity, and competitions are good because they help the the, the, the film and the director that, that gets the award. Not necessarily it is the best film because it's only chosen by a three-jury uh, member. Yeah. But it is uh, a good opportunity for them, and it was a good opportunity for us. Right, because you know only one film can win the award, but there can certainly be a lot of very high-quality yeah. films. Yeah. Yeah, yes, of course. Um, okay, and um, we've quickly run out of time, but what's the opening? What's the opening film? The opening film is from Argentina, September first. It's called um, "The Man, The Man Next Door," and uh, it is a very acclaimed Argentinian film throughout the last year. It premiered at Sundance in 2010, where it won the cinematography. It, it then went to the New York Film Festival, and it's been around. The festival is the, the premiere in, I'm pretty sure in Vancouver, that's for sure, not in Canada. And it is um, a comedy that takes place in Buenos Aires. It is a very artsy and very fun film to watch. And that's on September 1st at 7 p.m. at Granville 7, uh, you know, the cinemas on Granville and uh, um, at Robson Street. All right, and that was some more information about the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival from Christian Sita, who is the festival director. And uh, for more information about the festival, you can visit them at vlaff.org. So that's Vancouver Latin American Film Festival.org. And you can find film listings, locations, online ticket purchase, uh, and all that information available uh, online. Okay, it's 6 o'clock now, and this is the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Uh, Reel to Reel is coming up next, uh, but we have one more short.
short interview before we uh, end the show here on the Arts Report today, and that is about Tough. 20-something theater is dedicated to provocative, edgy plays aimed at a younger demographic. Their latest show deals with teen pregnancy, and it's called Tough. Uh, by Toronto playwright George F. Walker. The company called up Jesse Award-winning director Tamara McCarthy for the project, uh, and she recently spoke with Arts Report host Adam Janusz about the rhythmical nature of Walker's dialogue and the play's theme of choices. Uh, But first, Tamara gives us a synopsis of Tough. Well, it's about three 19-year-olds who are just about, you know, to embark on their futures as adults, and there's this real theme of of becoming adults. I think all three of them in the play at one point say, you know, I'm, I'm really very young. Um, and so they're, they're trying to better their lives. Um, they grew up in East Van, and pretty much all three of them come from pretty dysfunctional families. So they're trying to get out of that uh, pattern and have a better life for themselves. Tina then, of course, finds out that she's pregnant, um, and it's not planned. And... Uh, so Bobby, who's uh, the father, is uh, given the news in the play and has to deal with it. And uh, so it's a lot about choices and what um, what Tina's going to do. Um, it's really about a sort of an important crux in their lives when they're faced with some pretty big decisions about what direction now to take in their futures, and uh, that's where we're at in the play. So you mentioned choices there, and I wonder for you as, as a director, what's, what's, is that the theme that, that you work with that kind of inspires you, or, or is there another theme um, in the script um, that kind of um, motivates you as a director? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, well, definitely making choices, and I, I think during rehearsals, we try a lot of different things. So I, you know, actors will offer something and I might say, oh, that's a great choice. Or we say, you know, can you try something else? Let's try a different choice here. So we we do things many different ways, trying to find um, the most honest um, depiction or uh, portrayal for the character and for their journey through the play. So that's really what I look for is just the, the most honest, the most true uh, emotion, movement, Walking when we talk about how they move through the space is uh, just searching for what what really is the, the most connected. Um, and how and, about uh, you know, that takes? No, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say sometimes it takes a, a while to find out, and sometimes we sort of find it on the first try. And my stage manager is constantly erasing her book. She of course writes <laughs> down where they're moving, and I keep changing it. <laughs> so she's just. She needs a lot of erasers, pretty much in rehearsal. So yeah, it sounds like any yeah. good stage manager needs needs to uh, needs a lot of patience I and erasers. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they're an amazing breed of people for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me about George F. Walker. What uh, what strikes you about uh, about his writing? His writing is just brilliant. I mean, it's absolutely uh, it's just spot on. He's he's just found the essence of these characters so completely, like, I don't know what kind of research he did to create, I guess he worked with um, with the original production that Green Thumb did, he worked, I'm sure they workshopped it and stuff, so he, his writing is really bang on, um, it's really, uh, his writing is really raw and gritty, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of foul language in the play, but at the same time, it's really poetic, I find, that it's just, it's just beautiful, even when they're swearing, the rhythm, the rhythm of the language, and, you know, the jokes that they make, just the way that they're punctuated, it's just, uh, it's just, it's a really brilliant piece of writing, so I've been really uh, hard on the actors to make sure that they're not just paraphrasing, and that they're actually, you know, really 
really making sure that they've got his words as they're written, which is a challenge for this piece because it's not it's not always linear. They jump around a lot and they have a lot of broken thoughts and mid sentence and they repeat things and you know, a simple yeah or a so or no 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 that they say five times it is, is a lot different than just saying it once. So it's we've really been exploring how the language with sort of the subtext with what, yeah. what the characters are really saying beneath the beneath it. And sometimes it's there's no subtext. It's, it's <laughs> pretty much what they're saying is what they mean. And uh and that's that's what I find so great about about it is just immediate. These characters need what they need and they need it right now and they're just going to going after what they what they want and trying to get that and there's no there's no just idle moments really of of lack of action, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so I've really yeah, I really enjoyed working with his his writing. Right on. This show. Yeah. Now is there anything else you'd want to mention about uh, about the show? Well, um the story is very relevant, uh, even though it was written almost 20 years ago. It's, I've said it present day. You know, uh, teen pregnancy or unplanned pregnancies don't seem to be becoming any sort of archaic idea. <laughs> They're immediate in, in a lot of people's lives now, so it, it's a really relevant uh, story. And the actors in the play, the three performers, are um, really strong, emerging um, actors that I'm just, I've been really happy to have the chance to work with early in their careers. And that was Jesse Award-winning director Tamara McCarthy talking about Tough, which is a show by Toronto playwright George F. Walker uh, that she has directed with a wonderful company of actors from uh, 20-something theatre. So the previews are tonight and tomorrow. So that's Wednesday and Thursday, August 24th and 25th at 8 o'clock. And the show opens Friday night, August 26th, and runs through September 3rd. Shows are nightly at 8 p.m. at Studio 1398 on Granville Island, which you may know better as uh, its former name under the Playwrights Theatre Centre Studio, uh, and that's at 1398 Cartwright Street on Granville Island. And for more information and to buy tickets, you can visit Tickets Tonight at uh, www.tickets-tonight.ca, and their phone number is available there as well. Of course, you can find more information about 20-something and what they're all about at 20somethingtheatre.com or find them on Facebook. Okay, we've gone a little bit over here on the Arts Report, uh, but Real to Real Radio is coming up next. Uh, of course, this is CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, and we are streaming live on Online all the time at citr.ca. You can find our podcast every week uh, for the Arts Report as well as all the other wonderful programs here on CITR through that website and by searching uh, on the iTunes podcast directory. You'll find the Arts Reports podcast uh, there. Thank you so much to Adam for assisting with putting together this uh, jam-packed Arts Report this week. Please uh, subscribe to our podcast and uh, make sure uh, you check out all the wonderful Arts Report shows from the past uh, and uh, find us on Twitter at CITR underscore Arts Report as well as on YouTube uh, for wonderful um, content that you may not always find here on the show. Okay, so Real to Real Radio is coming up next. Thanks so much for being with us. Bond. James Bond. Get there, 